My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Hello. How's your summer going? Are you on a road trip? Are you recovering from a big party in the sun? Or are you just taking a quiet walk? Whatever the case is, you are listening to a special summer series of the TDA podcast. Now, the whole idea here is that every day we're going to throw back to a different episode from last year. And we've sat down and chosen some of the most listened to stories of 2022. But we've also thrown in some of the stories that may have gotten left behind in the news cycle. And we think they warrant a bit of an update. Today, we're going to throw it back to March 2022. I had just gotten off a plane from a trip up north to the Great Barrier Reef. And what was really special about that trip was seeing the effects of climate change firsthand. And what this episode does is bring some of that impact home to you. Stick around to the end for an update on what's happened since we did this story. A UN delegation is currently in North Queensland examining the state of the Great Barrier Reef. Now, they're there to examine whether a bleaching event has occurred on the reef, but days into their trip, it was declared that Australia's natural wonder had indeed suffered its sixth massive bleaching event, raising concerns that it is nearing a tipping point of no return. Sam, the mystery is gone. You were in the Great Barrier Reef to see the bleaching for yourself. Before you tell me what you saw firsthand, first just explain to me what a bleaching event actually is. So I think it's best to explain this in the context specifically of the Great Barrier Reef because apparently it does change from reef to reef around the world. So if we focus on the Barrier Reef, it's basically a system of 750 reefs split up into four key regions. There's the far northern Cairns Cooktown, where I was, Townsville with Sunday, and Mackay Capricorn. For a mass bleaching event to be declared, there needs to be signs from aerial surveys that there is widespread breaching across the reef in all four of those areas. So Zara, I actually said to one of our guides there, it's kind of like changing the Australian constitution. You need a certain percentage to be in agreement across a certain number of different states and territories. It's a bit of a dodgy analogy, but I'm making the point that it has to be everywhere. So in this case, the Great Barrier Reef authorities have said that 60% of the reef is currently bleached. And when you see sort of fluorescent pigments, that's actually the coral in distress. It's an attempt to protect themselves from heat. The heat is from both the intense sun, but also from then the resulting warmer water. Interestingly, this is the first mass bleaching event during a La Nina system, and that is significant because a lot of the bleaching events have happened during an El Nino system. Six bleaching events have happened since the early 1900s, but four have happened since 2016, and this will actually be the fifth since 2016 and the seventh on the reef. So when I was up at the Barrier Reef, and and I think there's more to come with our journey to the Barrier Reef later on the Daily Oz, I, I just want to give you a little sneak peek of what we talked about because it is so topical today. 
But it was explained to us as being similar to bushfires. And the idea was that if there was a mass bleaching event and the reef was given five to 10 years to recover, similar to the regeneration of a bushfire area after a bushfire, the reef would actually be okay. The problem is that there is repetitive bleaching events in very short periods of time. So any sort of regeneration on the reef ends up being destroyed by another heat wave and another bleaching event. Okay, so Sam, what did you actually see when you were at the reef? Was it as bad as you thought it would be? It was worse, Zara. It really was worse. I had quite an emotional response to what we were seeing on the reef. It was hard to see the lack of colour and the lack of life on the reef. It was really troubling that some of the areas that tourists were being taken to because they are known to be the most beautiful were indeed being bleached themselves. The interesting thing about the current state of bleaching that I saw was that the fluorescence that I was talking about with the tips of the coral being this kind of bright highlighted colors is actually really beautiful. And that it kind of leads to a bit of a cognitive dissonance because you see something that is so magnificent and so beautiful, but you know that it is coral in pain. There were fish that I saw that were bleached themselves. That comes from bleached anemone being grown in the middle of a mass bleaching event and a heat wave. And another observation was just how damn warm the water was. It was definitely warmer than it should have been. And speaking to all the local tourism operators, they were saying that, you know, the two or three degrees warmer for this time of year is significant. They're used to warm water between kind of November and February. Now they're looking at a warmer water period of between September and April. So it was a really formulative experience for me. We're going to be seeing a lot more content from this trip on the Daily Oz in the weeks to come. But I can tell you now that the sense of realizing that my grandchildren might not be able to see the reef in its best form was heartbreaking. Okay, and tell me about the role of the UN and its agencies in a situation like this. Can they declare the reef to be in danger? So this UN delegation is currently in the Great Barrier Reef. They were highly secretive about where they were going, what particular parts of the reef they were seeing. There were some concerns from tourism operators I spoke to on the ground in Port Douglas and in Cairns that the UN representatives would only be shown particular parts of the reef that were undamaged by bleaching events. And I wasn't able to verify this one way or the other. I spent quite a lot of time on Twitter trying to work out where these UN delegation officials were with no success. So their aim in their visit to the reef is to assess the health of the reef and decide whether the reef should be added to the World Heritage in Danger list. This is separate to the Great Barrier Reef Authority declaring a mass bleaching event from their aerial surveillance. They're set to be there for 10 days. It's been about seven now, so I'd say that at the end of their trip, And last year, one of their fellow agencies, the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization, and we know them as UNESCO, they recommended putting the reef on the list. So that recommendation is clearly making its way through the arms of the UN. According to the BBC, if this recommendation is followed by the committee, it will be the first time in history that a natural world heritage site has been added to the list, mostly because of the impacts from climate change. Okay. And to round out this conversation, what can we actually do to save the reef? It's pretty difficult listening to stuff like this and feeling a bit helpless. Is it too late? I ask this question a lot on the reef and to people who work in reef tourism. And there seems to be two main schools of thought. One is climate change. One is 
undeniably looking at ways we can be kinder to the planet, whether that be through aligning our money to financial institutions that don't fund fossil fuel industries. It might be driving electric vehicles, all the things that we're going to discuss throughout our entire careers here at The Daily Oz as ways to help the planet. And the other angle was this scientific innovation angle. So backing projects in the region that are trying to do really interesting things with their science. On the world stage, we are clearly not in favor. According to UN Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez, Whereas Australia is one of the, quote, holdouts in taking meaningful action on climate change. That was said last Monday. On the other hand, the federal government has pledged $1 billion to the reef. They did that in January for new climate adaptation technologies. And that's to do with this second school of thought that I was referring to, backing projects on the reef that might be using ways to replicate coral, to preserve coral, to document coral, all of those interesting things done by sensational and determined people in North Queensland. At the time we recorded this episode, the UN had just sent a delegation to the reef. Their report from that visit came out a few months ago in November of 2022, and it found that despite the best efforts to protect the reef, it has been significantly impacted by climate change. The report recommended that the Great Barrier Reef be inscribed on the World Heritage in Danger list. In response to this, Environment Minister Tanya Plibersek came out and said that climate change was a danger for all natural environments, and if the Great Barrier Reef is in danger, then most World Heritage sites around the world are in danger too. Thanks for listening to this episode of our special TDA summer series. We'll be back to normal programming on the 16th of January. But if you want some more breaking news in the meantime, open your phone and find us on Instagram. It's currently where over 410,000 Australians get their news and we are on even though you're on holiday.